Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 Are you spending too much time managing your Airbnb guest communications? With Aviva IQ's easy-to-use automated messaging service, your guest communications go on autopilot so you can go back to living your life. Get your free Aviva IQ account at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad. I'm your host, Jasper, and I am here with Glenn, who's going to be co-hosting this podcast episode. And Glenn, of course, is the Director of Marketing at Hostly. How's it going, Glenn? It's going great. I'm uh, just here in uh, DC and they're uh, experiencing a bit of a heat wave. So uh, anytime I step out of my hotel, I got to bring a towel with me. Well, it's pretty similar here. I'm in New York and it's very, very hot. I'm actually sitting in the living room in my Airbnb right now, wearing only underpants because that's <laughs> the, I mean, it's, there's there's no air conditioning in the, there's in the bedrooms, but not in the living room. And the sun is just shining through the windows. I had to close the windows for this recording because as you're probably aware, New York is a busy and loud city. I totally feel you there. There's a mental image for your listeners there. Jasper's sitting in his underwear as he's recording this podcast, everyone. Not sure if people really want to visualize that. but <laughs> I, I have to apologize too. I'm, I mentioned before I'm in a hotel, so I actually work is footing the bill for this. So normally I would be staying in Airbnb, so don't judge me. Thou shall be forgiven, uh, Glenn. <laughs> anyway, let, let's dive into the news. Let's start in London. There's an article that came out that talks about the growth in in London, despite a lot of regulations that have been put in place recently. London saw a large surge in overnight visitors in 2016 versus 2015. There's a growth of 130%. And the market share that Airbnb now has for London's overnight visitors went from 4% in 2015 to 9% in 2016. 9%. That is quite a lot. Yeah, this is happening all over the world, really. This isn't just a London story. Airbnb's grown. Everyone is aware of the dramatic growth Airbnb has seen. But yeah, uh, like you mentioned, I think the article said that there was 2 million listings in 2015. And for 2016, that's 4.6 million. And uh, who knows what that is now. One of the interesting stats I saw on, on the article was that on any given night, there is 13,000 bookings in London alone on Airbnb. So that's pretty amazing. And when you mentioned the, the 2 million that went up to 4.6, that's the, the nights booked. Oh, sorry. Yes. Sorry, nights booked. I mean, that would be a lot of listings. That'd be a lot. <laughs> Every household in London. But so if Airbnb has a 9% market share and there's 13,000 bookings on any given day, that basically means that if you multiply that by 11, so that comes to about almost 150,000 visitors like bookings per night in the city of London. That's a lot of visitors. And the article also mentions that in the first four months of 2017, there was an additional 50 
5% uplift in the number of night books for Airbnb versus 2016. Now that I find actually very interesting because London has recently implemented some very strict regulations. Hosts are only allowed to rent out for 90 days for entire units. And so I'm curious to see what kind of effect that regulation has on the amount of nights that are getting booked. And more specifically, it's the enforcement that Airbnb has decided to put on their website. So just like in Amsterdam, in London, if you're booked 90 days, your calendar is going to be automatically blocked. So I'm not sure if that rule has been enforced in the first four months of 2017. It could have been enforced maybe starting like May or June. So I'm very curious to see if this growth is going to continue or if it's going to like either sort of flatten off or or even maybe go down a bit. That 90-day restriction, is that for people's primary residence as well? Even Even if it's your primary residence, you can only rent for 90 days? It's for all entire units. Okay. It's a similar rules that are in Amsterdam and Paris as well. Paris, I believe it's 120, 120 days. Amsterdam, it's 60. It'd be interesting to see how that is going to affect the growth in the future. So the next thing that we want to talk about is a story that came up a while ago. I think it was back in April, and it was a story that kind of went viral. It was all over the news. It was about a an Airbnb guest who rented a place in Big Bear in California. It was a ski trip with her fiancé and a bunch of friends. And as she was getting closer to the check-in date, she wanted to change the reservation. She had a few extra friends that wanted to come. The host got very upset and ended up canceling the reservation and making some uh, very racist remarks, like one word says it all, Asian. This is why we have Trump in this country. I will not allow to be told by what to do by foreigners. A bunch of like very mean remarks. The Airbnb guest was very upset. She posted an, uh, quite an emotional video on YouTube. And this video went all over Facebook, all over some other social media channels. And the host now has been fined $5,000. She has agreed to pay. It's a woman. She has agreed to pay $5,000 fine and also attend a college course in Asian American studies. And this was published by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. So the case has been resolved. Yeah. And not to mention the host has been banned from Airbnb itself. So, I mean, that was a pretty terrible thing to do, a legal thing to do. I don't know what a fitting punishment is, but if there is something close to a fitting punishment, this is probably it. Having to attend the the course, uh, as you said, on Asian American studies, the host also has to issue a personal apology and participate in what they're calling in the article is a community education panel, perform some uh, volunteer service. So there's a whole litany of things that this host uh, now has to go through. And rightly so. That was a pretty hateful incident that happened. And that's a very good uh, sign to all Airbnb hosts out there. If you if you get upset by your guest, count to 10, relax, meditate for 10 minutes, and then respond. That will, that will prevent yeah, a lot no, of trouble. In, in no sense should you be uh, hurling racial slurs at your guests. Exactly. And if you do have racist feelings, then maybe Airbnb is not the place for you in the first place. The, <laughs> the guest said uh, she was uh, pleased with the settlement. She hopes that victims of discrimination will feel encouraged to come forward with their own stories. So well, it's good to, good to see a little bit of uh, resolve in this case. Absolutely, absolutely. That's definitely a good thing. 
Another story that came out is about the ongoing fight between Airbnb and some of its critics. More specifically, there's a coalition that's called Share Better, which is funded by the City Hotel Industry and its worker union in the city of New York. They have their own website. They've been very active in trying to accuse Airbnb of all sorts of stuff, filing all sorts of complaints. And even like uh, running some television ads, uh, spreading a lot of negative publicity about Airbnb. And Airbnb is now striking back. They have filed a formal complaint with the state ethics panel, charging that a coalition of unions, lawmakers, and other Airbnb opponents has engaged in illegal and unreported lobbying. So apparently, if you're running a lobbying organization and you spend more than $5,000 annually, you have to disclose like where the funding is coming from and I don't know, maybe you have to register or something and Airbnb saying that they haven't done that. What are your thoughts, Glenn? ShareBetter has spent heavily on lobbying and advertising since you know last year. And they're playing a key role in the clampdown on Airbnb and a lot of areas across America. You know, I'm not an expert in compliance law in the state of New York, but I do know that ShareBetter is one of the biggest lobbyists for the hotel industry. So it seems logical that... Uh, they would need to submit to lobbying regulations, which well, you need to disclose your sources of funding, like you mentioned. But I don't think those will be a surprise to anyone who, who's familiar with ShareBetter. It's all the hotel industry funding this. But they also need to report expenses and file bi-monthly uh, reports and all that kind of stuff. So this coalition should have done all those things since it's clearly a mouthpiece of the hotel industry. And what instigated this, it wasn't just the you know anti-Airbnb ads and editorials that ShareBetter has been uh, doing. But there was a, a report late last week from, uh, uh, I forget the newspaper that ran it, but essentially it, it uncovered that ShareBetter was paying for private investigators to pose as Airbnb guests to stay in people's homes to try and uncover if people were complying with regulations. And then they would report those Airbnb hosts to the mayor's office. Yeah, that's what instigated this. It's a very aggressive tactic by share better and it just seems you know completely unnecessary airbnb showed pretty open willingness to negotiate with local municipalities they've signed over 250 agreements to date with local municipalities they even enforce the regulations on their site you know uh, in your home city uh, jasper of uh, amsterdam like we were talking about earlier they will enforce stay limits right on the website so uh, you know airbnb showed a willingness to to work with uh, local municipalities in which share better is doing is very aggressive it's uh, interesting that they chose the name Share Better. I'm looking at their website and it's basically kind of like a hate Airbnb website. I would probably call it Don't Share at All. Uh, <laughs> it's more, uh, sounds like more <laughs> a better name to represent like kind of what they're doing. Cause I don't think they're really interested in, you know, changing the way that people share and in improving it. They're more just focused on trying to create negative publicity about Airbnb, I think. I mean, on the website, they're saying that Airbnb enables racism to flourish. They're talking about public safety concerns for guests, hosts, and neighbors. And they also say Airbnb is only interested in one thing itself, blah, blah, blah. So it's almost like a, it seems like more like a hate website. Yeah, well, it sounds like a, a lobby group to me. Yeah, and I find it's kind of offensive because, you know, there are some issues worth discussing when you're talking about the sharing economy or home sharing. And yeah, they do involve things like housing and racism. And those are important issues that we need to discuss, but we need to discuss them in, a, in an honest and logical way. And ShareBetter doesn't solve any of the root problems it purports to want to help solve. It's just a mouthpiece for the hotel industry to try and you know, 
basically keep their profits because Airbnb has shown everyone that there's a, a better way out there. So I actually find it quite offensive what they're doing because it's dangerous. So the fight will continue and I'm sure there's more to come in this area. Hosts, I am having so much fun running my Airbnb and hosting travelers from all around the world. I have to admit though, ensuring my guests receive all the details about their stay on time can be stressful and overwhelming. Recently, I learned about a cool new service called Aviva IQ. Aviva IQ automates, personalizes, and delivers my guest communications automatically, so I don't have to. Now I can relax knowing my guests are informed and happy. Did I mention Aviva IQ is free? Get your life back at www.avivaiq.com. Let's go to a reader question. It's posted in the Facebook group, Get Paid for Your Pad, where uh, there's a lot of hosts like sharing experiences, asking questions and stuff. And an interesting question came up. So the lady who asked the question, her name is Tao. She's a host in Seattle. She's basically asking how she should deal with lipstick and makeup marks that she will find sometimes on pillowcases, sheets, comforters, etc. She uses whites. And so, you know, those stains like tanning lotion and all that kind of stuff, it leaves a, a lot of stains that are kind of tricky to get out. It's kind of tricky to clean the sheets afterwards. And so she's asking, you know, how do I prevent this? How do I deal with it? Should I charge extra? And there's just been a pretty active discussion. And so I just wanted to go through the different uh, recommendations that people have made. First of all, one of the recommendations I think is really good is to provide your guests with removal wipes, like makeup removal wipes. If you provide those, then there's a good chance that the guests will use them and before they dive into your bed with all the white linens. There's also a bunch of cleaning products that apparently are very good for getting rid of all these types of stains. A few of them that are mentioned are Vanish Ultra Action, OxyClean, Triple Action Shout. I'm not really familiar with these brands. They must be American brands, but apparently they do a pretty good job at removing stains. Another uh, recommendation is to leave the sheets in water with bleach overnight and then wash them at 90 degrees. I'm not sure if that's good for the sustainability of the, the sheets, but I'm not a cleaning expert, so who knows? Another suggestion is to provide brown towels for the removal of makeup, so that way they're not going to stain as much, or at least you're not going to see it. But actually, my favorite recommendation is somebody posted a picture of a note that the host puts in the bathroom. It's a very nice note. It's in a little uh, green frame. It looks very nice. And basically what the note says is it starts with your help, please. Makeup tanning products and face medications and creams will stain linen and towels. Please use the makeup remover that's being provided. Please avoid using uh, wash clothes, hand towels, bath towels. And also throw the sanitary napkins, cotton wool, etc., into the litter basket and don't flush anything down the toilet. Thank you. We appreciate it. That's a great way to sort of remind guests, you know, to be a little mindful of what you throw in the toilet or not, how you treat like the linens, etc. So it's a pretty polite note. It looks pretty friendly with a colory frame around it. So those are the recommendations that came up. Do you have anything to add to that, Glenn? Yeah, first of all, I'm not a cleaning expert and triple action shout sounds like a rock band to me, not a cleaning product. But 
these things are unavoidable. I mean, things are going to happen to your sheets and your towels and they're going to get dirty and you're going to have to replace them. Yes, you can do all those things you talked about to minimize them. But I think one of the best ways is to have a little bit of a reserve fund to replace those things. And a a lot of Airbnb hosts, and I've done this in the past, has had a a small cleaning fee associated with with the stay. And I think most people do this, but uh, I think in this case, the person who asked the question didn't have a cleaning fee. So right off the bat, I would say that if you charge an extra you know, 10 or 20 bucks for every stay or whatever it is, then you then have that reserve fund to, to replace the sheets and towels. So that's what I'd suggest in this case. Awesome. That's great advice. And for those who are interested in more cleaning tips, by the way, episode 67 and episode 153, we talk about a lot of different cleaning aspects and also how to arrange like a perfect Airbnb turnover. And by the way, I'm working on creating a sort of a an inventory of all the different podcast episodes out there. I get a lot of questions these days. I have like about 170 episodes published now. And a lot of people asking me, they're new, they just found out about the podcast and they don't want to download 170 episodes. So they're asking like, hey, I'm interested about learning in XYZ, you know, which of the episodes should I listen to? So I'm working on it. But for now, here's a quick tip on how to find the episode on the topic that you're looking for. If you just Google get paid for your pad, and then you put the keyword of the topic that you'd like to know more about. So for example, if you put get paid for your pad and then cleaning in Google, then Google will magically show you the episodes that talk about the subject of cleaning. So it's a just a pretty easy way to find the episodes that talk about the topics that you're interested in. Glenn, anything else you wanted to mention? No, I think we covered all the Airbnb bases today. All right, cool. So what I will do then is I will talk about a few things that I've noticed in the Airbnb where I'm staying now. So I'm staying in New York. I'm here in Soho, which is a pretty awesome neighborhood. More specifically, I'm in Nolita. Have you been to Nolita? No, I haven't. It's a really awesome little part of Soho, lots of bars, restaurants. And it's been a little bit crazy because there was a very famous YouTuber was in the neighborhood. He was doing, I don't know, signing autographs or like taking selfies with people. I don't know. But for three days over the weekend, there's been a massive, massive crowd all around the neighborhood. There's thousands of people waiting on the sidewalks for a guy. I think his name is Nolan Paul. Have you ever heard of him? Doesn't ring a bell. It's basically a YouTuber. It's a guy who does vlogs on a daily basis. He just like talks about his life and stuff. And man, it just kind of showed me how famous these online YouTube celebrities can get these days. It's been like super hot here in New York, like 90 degrees or so. And, and people are literally standing on the sidewalk for hours and hours and hours to catch a glimpse of this YouTuber guy. It kind of made a big impression on me, but I'm glad that I've gone now because I couldn't open my door. Like there's literally people standing on the sidewalk right in wow. front of my door, sitting sitting on the doorsteps. But anyway, uh, it's been super fun here. The apartment where I'm staying, I'm sharing it with a friend of mine from uh, who came all the way from Australia. There's two things that I've noticed that this host could improve on. First thing is has to do with the bedrooms. So I think we talked about this a few times before, but when you're coming from another continent, 
you generally have a jet lag when you arrive. And so did I. I came from Amsterdam, which is six hours ahead of uh, New York. And so what happens is that I get tired pretty early on in the evening. And then I also wake up pretty early. So what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to go to bed a little later. And then hopefully I can sleep a little later as well. So the first couple of days I was waking up at 4 or 5 a.m. But it's kind of hard to shift that if at you know 5.30 a.m. or so, the sun rises and it's just like super, super bright in your room and you don't have any good curtains to block that sunlight. And so what I had to do is I've actually gone ahead. There's a little closet with a bunch of stuff in there. I've used my, all my creativity to literally built some sort of a, it almost looks like a sound studio now in, in my bedroom. <laughs> I've, I've grabbed everything that I could find that I could use to sort of build a wall in front of my window. I've used all sorts of blankets and even like a, a steel bar that I had to put like a counterweight on it on one side and then put a blanket on the other side. I mean, it, it just looks like a fort inside. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> but now I finally managed to create a situation where the light is blocked out enough for me to actually sleep until you know, like 8, 9 a.m., which really helps. So that was the first thing that I wanted to mention. Take a look at your bedroom. Maybe go into your bedroom at 7 in the morning or something and see how bright it is and see what you can do to you know, provide your guests with an option to blacken out the light if they prefer to do so. Because you know, I'm sure a lot of people, they want to maybe just get up early and enjoy the day. But if you at least provide some curtains that black out the light, then uh, I think a lot of guests will really appreciate it. The second thing that I noticed, it has to do with the Wi-Fi. So I, I see this a lot in Airbnb places where you arrive and then the Wi-Fi is written down on the router, but it's the standard network name and the standard password are provided by the networks or by the router manufacturers are generally like insanely difficult. You look at the Wi-Fi here, there's like a hundred Wi-Fi networks that pop up and a lot of them have exactly the same characters except for like one or two numbers. So first you, you have to look on to go through all these different networks to find the right one. And then the password has like 15 characters with upper lowercase <laughs> numbers mixed all through. I have like three devices. It takes me like 20 minutes to get all the right passwords in. And then, you know, you, you put one character wrong, you miss one uppercase or something, and then it doesn't work. You have to do it again. And so there's a simple solution to prevent this type of hassle because you can change the name of your Wi-Fi network and you can change your password. In Amsterdam, I named my network Jasper is a Legend. And then I have the password, the Traveling Dutchman, which is very easy to remember. And so the way you can do this, and by the way, I sold my place so that that Wi-Fi doesn't work anymore in case you're in Amsterdam. <laughs> you know, don't, don't waste energy and try and find it. If you go on Wikihow, Wikihow is a really cool website where they have all sorts of like advice to how to do certain things. If you just Google Wikihow, how to change your Wi-Fi password, you'll find a very useful page with pictures with big arrows, and it explains exactly how you can log into the back end of your router and how you can change your network name and also your password. So you can change it to something, maybe the name, the brand name of your Airbnb listing could be a good suggestion because then, well, unless you don't want your neighbors to find out <laughs> you're doing Airbnb. <laughs> but in any case, you can change it to something friendly, change a, a friendly password, not one that's too easy, but at the same time, you also don't want to have your guests spend like 20 minutes trying to type in the right password. Yeah, exactly. I'm still trying to get the image of you building a fort in your underwear out of my head. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Glenn. You know, there's there's worse things that can happen in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I need some therapy. All right. Well, yeah, hopefully you'll get over it.
this is uh, the end of this episode. So Glenn, thank you so much for joining today. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jasper. Absolutely. And we'll be back in a few weeks from now. And of course, there will be another episode on Monday. And of course, every Friday, we'll be discussing the news with a different co-host. Every week, it's somebody from the Hostfully team. So thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I'll see you next time. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.